What's the deal? Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering about that myself. Um, well, the other day I, I um, learned deserted floor. Wow. And um, I learned it because I listened to the new record. I mean, okay, the, yeah. um, Return from the yeah, Stars. Relatively. Yeah, relatively new. Yeah. And um, then the second tune came on, and I was like, "Hold on, this this sounds, sounds familiar." Similar. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and there were certain moments where I was like, "Sure, this is something else," and then no, I know this. Where do I know this from? You know, and then I had to kind of connect the dots to see that it was from my, I think that's for a long time, this has been my favorite uh, Mark Turner album, the Dharma Days album. Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. But I, yeah. I had to, I had to connect the dots because I didn't know which song it was because it was a different title. Yeah. Um, and I'm always interested what um, a composer does to um, a song over the years, how a song can evolve evolve over the years and how you get the inspiration to look at it from a new angle and kind of do an update or uh, whatever you want to call it. And yeah. uh, I'm interested in that journey. Mm -hmm. um, oh, how, how it happens in general or that one in particular? You can, you can start with that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, a part of the reason for doing that one over again was because um, I was trying to find tunes that, you know, I'm trying to find or write music that works with basically three voices where the harmony can be heard, um, can be heard while the two while we're playing the tune, but also somehow be able to heard even when we're not playing three voices anymore. Because you know, all the solos are basically um, basically trio, more trio. So I think that was. I feel like that was a that's the test of this band, and that's kind of partially what I'm trying to do. So you still feel the harmony somehow. Uh, even when you're not playing the tune with all three voices and somehow you still feel it in the air somehow. So it has to be, I feel like it has to be a certain kind of harmony. I'm trying to get a certain kind of complexity. I don't want to be, uh, but it can't be too complex because it's only three voices. You have to be yeah. skillful about the way you do it, so on and so forth. I don't want to bore you with that. But So this tune seemed like um, I might be able to get a little bit of that. Um, and uh, also, the it's a tune that I never really played very much. We recorded on that record, and I almost never played it. And I felt like, well, it kind of like a uh, some revised version to sort of explore some music that I actually wrote but never really explored. So that's another reason for that, uh, for doing that one over. And then, you know, I had to redo some things, um, some parts of the melody, um, in the A section and the C section uh, to make to make the harmony sound. So there's some sections where it's just guitar chords and uh, there's no way you would hear what the harmony is unless I change the melody. Exactly. So yeah. yeah, so that's what I that's what I had to do on that to make it sound uh, and so you can still hear what the original harmony was. Um, so yeah, that that was the reason for reworking that tune. Um, yeah, and it was interesting doing that. Just to, especially the, there's a section where the, you know, the chord is, um, it goes from this, uh, this um, to this. 
spots. And, that, you know, it's pretty hard to do. You can't, you know, it's more than three voices. You can't, yeah. you can't do that. And I can't just play it. Sometimes you can just play the chords of three voices and get it this time. It's just, there are too many notes. So that's where I had to play a melody. Um, I don't remember all of it, but, um, but that's where I had to play. So that was that melody. And then there's, there's yeah. harmony below it. And then the harmony sounded with, you know, this is the bass note. So then it worked. So, and then, you know, I needed to have a little bit of, um, uh, a few suspensions and things like that, you know, to make it sound and get a little bit of, you can have a little bit of uh, a bit of a rub intention to get the sound of those chords. Cause the, you know, the little thing that's interesting, is this is what's in that chord. So I needed to get some similar tension, some flat nines or half steps, and, and then, you know, release the tension to get a similar feeling uh, without holding a chord. So that's, that's what that was. Yeah. But it seems to me that, that this changing of the melody or extending of the melody or extending of the harmony even led to you adding bars to the song because I think it's longer now. A little bit, yeah, just a tiny bit. <laughs> But don't you bars. think that's that? I I really <laughs> I like these so. these moments when in in composing when composing when you're like, oh, I think I'm about to enlarge the piece. Uh, it mm. it might go bigger there, but mm. I, I kind of want to have it like it's still based on the old thing. But and mm -hmm. then the the decision process or the the yeah. I don't know who in your mind helps you there, but you're like. Fuck it. It can be a new thing. You know, it can be, yeah, right. <laughs> that, that was a long time ago. Now it's new. Yeah. Now it's, who cares what it was? Right. Let's totally. embrace what it is now or what it can yeah. become now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice to hear how things evolve, evolve. And uh, it's also nice, you know, when you're saying that it's some, somehow related is just, um, you know, sometimes a melody just needs more time to breathe to, say what it has to say and maybe it just needs an extra bar or six beats or whatever it needs um and i always find the trick with that especially with jazz music i think it works tends to work a little easier in the european classical world or whatever because um i don't know you i'm curious what you think but i think most of that music is maybe until maybe not as much in the in the middle to latter 20th century, but, uh, you know, it's basically extended form, melody and harmony and rhythm is usually at the service of those mm. for the most part. Obviously you need rhythm for the, the melody to sit on, but and I think most of the music of the Americas is kind of the opposite mm. in general. It's not always the case, but most yeah. of the time, you know, melody and harmony at the are at the service of rhythm in general, yeah. not always, but I'm just making a blanket statement. So I find it harder when you add beats or add bars, then you have to figure out if it's a rhythmic tune that's in time where there's a groove, which is most of the time, then it's a sometimes problematic figuring out how to, to have the, have the rhythm sit well and have the melody sit well when it's extended and have them both feel good. I feel like sometimes that's kind of the, in a way that's a, a lot of the, many of the issues with um, 
with music of, I'm just calling it music of the Americas in the way it's gone out, being out of the world, but music that's rhythmically oriented that has harmony, especially complex harmony and melody on it, to make them all feel they're equally honored. It's difficult, I find. So, so what do you, do you do about it? <laughs> I listen to a shitload of music yeah. <laughs> where I feel that it is successful <laughs> yeah. and I try to figure it out. But, you know, what do I do about it? I mean, sometimes I think it's easier, you know, sometimes it's easier where the, uh, you know, I think often rhythms work when, um, uh, when you have a circular form. I think that's partially why many of the forms in, you know, the music that we play today that's rhythmically oriented has shorter forms. That's why you don't write uh Sonatas. You know, a half hour, a half hour sonata form or 45 minutes that doesn't repeat very much. It's really hard to get a rhythmic groove. You can do mm. it, but it's difficult. It's very challenging. And often, you know, rhythm happens because there's repetition It rolls and there's, you know, you hear rhythm and it happens again, maybe with some variation it happens again. That's where you get groove and all those things that we enjoy in modern music. Uh, so It's difficult when you try to write a longer form. You have to have, sometimes you feel like you have to have some repetition in, in it. It doesn't have to be exactly the same, which is maybe why there's so many tunes with vamps nowadays. I don't yeah. know. There's a reason for them because we're trying to get something going and then, okay, now we're going to go into this episodic form or whatever we've got with all kinds of changes or whatever is going on nowadays, you know. But I, I think that's, a, that's an interesting problem to solve. So, so especially when the when the rhythm is not even it's easy i think it's easier if you have four eight bars and then it gets a little bit more interesting when they're when the rhythm happens in threes 12 bars six bars nine bars things like that then it you still get that round feeling you know which much of western music is twos and threes in general mm -hmm. um and whether you know whether the meters three or four isn't i'm just talking about the bar links and where the the rhythm, uh, the form lands. I find that very interesting, you know, if you just add an extra bar or two bars just to see whether the rhythm still lands well and feels good. Sometimes you need to be a little flat-footed. Sometimes you, have, you need to be more anticipatory. Yeah. Sometimes you want to hook up a hiccup or something to say, <gasps> and then you land. You know what I mean? All the things that we think about when we're writing tunes and thinking about how the rhythm lands, how the rhythm section feels. Uh, I, I think I, I try to pay attention a lot to that. How does the rhythm section feel? Are they happy? Mm -hmm. I think that's extremely important. Absolutely. <laughs> if the rhythm yeah. section is not happy, you know, then uh, at least with this music, the music doesn't sound good. The, the horn player can sound amazing, play all kinds of shit or whatever. <laughs> the rhythm section is happening. It's kind of like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, I, you know, that's the bedrock. So, you know, I'd like the form to make the 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 rhythm section happened to play over or to play through as a four, even if it's just a melody, you know? So anyway, it's a long-winded way to explain that. I love long ways to explain things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what this podcast is about. I understand. I Go understand. ahead, man. <laughs> I'm not used to it. <laughs> so, but does yeah. that make sense? I, I would imagine that, you that makes think sense, a lot yeah. of those things too, or, you know, I do. Uh, I sometimes when you talk about things like uh, the rhythm section has to feel good, I 
I would also add <clears throat> that sometimes new things or unfamiliar things don't feel good at the the first moment, yes. you know, especially oh, those sure. things like, ah, why is it five bars now? Like, yeah. I kind of want to, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. so sometimes we have to work through those feelings to make something feel good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I don't, I, maybe I should correct myself, feel good uh, after a certain amount of uh, yeah. rigor if necessary. I don't mean immediately good. Yeah. Sometimes that's too easy. You need some tension. Yeah. You know what I mean? In anything, you know, in music and life, your read needs to be hard enough, whatever. You need some, some uh, tension or weighted keys for, for you to make some uh, statement, whatever it is. I think to be uh, to have some force, if I should use that word. Yeah. Sometimes when it's too easy, um, whether it's you know anything, um, you know, for me, I feel I'm I'm unsatisfied by that. <laughs> I do. I like some work and some rigor to see. Okay, we can get here, but it's going to take some time. Yeah. And it's you know it's highly rewarding, including the form and how it feels with the rhythm section. So mm -hmm. yes, I hear you. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I think Wayne uh, Wayne Charter talks about resistance, right? Yeah, exactly. Wayne needs resistance, resistance to take off. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in every walk of life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what are you struggling with right now? Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, always. Uh, I don't, is there, like, yeah, is there something that you're trying to solve right now musically? Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of things. I mean, it's a laundry list. I always make lists of things that I'm trying mm -hmm. to work on just so I can remember them. Uh, just, you know, just keep it in mind. Um, partially just because I think, you know, uh, maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't say, you know, but I think most art forms are, some are more, are, are less abstract and some are more concrete. I think music is probably one of the most abstract art forms mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, as opposed to, let's say, dance or uh, visual art or uh, sculpture, a sculpture, your hands are right on it. People can see it, you can feel it in their hands. Music is, it's all this. The only way you can touch it is dancing or you touch your instrument. Um, you know, I think most people are more used to um, seeing something and making ideas or judgments about what something looks like than what something here sounds like. It's very difficult to, mm -hmm. you know, people can recognize a color, but it's much harder to recognize a chord mm -hmm. or a note and say what the note is. It's yeah. difficult, you know, it's very abstract, I think, you know. So if you have ideas or feelings about music, or let's say myself, that I would like to do, I feel like I need to write them down and describe them. Just because, one, on the art side, uh, that's a huge, uh, that's a, it's an ocean of feelings, emotions, sentiments, uh, you know, uh, psychic scopes or whatever and then there's the craft side which is more concrete you know let's say you have to work on your time harmony you know form uh, your technique so on and so forth you can't sort of quantify those things but the other part is i mean it's 
it can just go on forever. You can contemplate forever and never play it out. So mm. you have to, I feel like I need to pinpoint something, even though it's not exactly what I want. I just mm -hmm. say, okay, I'm going to work on this. I'd like to have issues with this. I have issues with that, blah, blah, blah. I have a list. Uh, and I try to say, what am I going to do with them? Um, so yeah, I just write things down. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I would say the things that I'm trying to work through are, uh, I'm always working on harmony. I love harmony, trying to figure out uh, different ways to play it, how to access it on a single line instrument. Um, I'm always working on voice leading. So I, I'm just thinking about new ways to do that. Um, I, you know, I've always worked on, uh, well, harmony in a variety of ways, but let's say, um, let's say um, uh, forward moving um, harmony that moves chord to chord or has forward motion. And then harmony that is not necessarily oriented to that, but more uh, related to, um, uh, you know, bitonality, tritonality, or a set of scales, so you're just trying to get sounds that are on top of lower sounds. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to work that a little bit more. I started working on, so I, I used to work on some on Messiaen scales, now I'm doing it again with some of the ones that have more notes in them. So yeah. limited transit position scales, just to see what's in them uh, more than I had in the past. I've done it, but I'm redoing it. Um, What's your process in doing that? Um, the process first is usually, um, I might have a, see if I have a book here, I can just show you. I just have the workbooks. You're going to see it, I won't make, maybe it won't make any sense, but here's one of them. There's another one, but usually I write down this, the scale in, I just break it up in, in a third, fourths, fifths, yeah. and make, uh, you know, sevenths, ninths, and things in a, in the let's say a traditional way so they're actually thirds fourths and fifths and things like that yeah then i try to do it in just by numbers for example you know thirds are usually every other note in the scale so i go every other note in the scale to see what happens every yeah. fourth note in the scale what does happen yeah. so on and so forth just so i can get an idea of what the scale is in a way similar to like with with a with a um any of the scales that we usually play Mm -hmm. uh, major scales, minor scales, so on and so forth. So I get a similar feeling. Yeah. So I can sort of understand it on that level and I can access it because that's what I'm used to doing. Um, and then I just to see what's in it, you know, sometimes, especially when I start doing it, like every other note, every fourth note, then I run into things that are highly unfamiliar. The first mm -hmm. note, I'm finding things that are more familiar, maybe, you know, a set of thirds, but stacked differently than I would if I were playing a Ionian scale or something like yeah. that. So um, that's the first thing I do. Once I do that, then I'm kind of familiar with it. And then let's say, you know, um, for example, I'm just going to show you this page. It may not make any sense because it's a lot of scribbles, but I'm just going to, which one is it here? Just so you can see it, for example, wait, it's the wrong one. Wrong workbook. <laughs> I'm getting to the other one here. Um, I didn't see it now. Did you already show it? No. No, I'm, I'm about okay. to. There's, okay. I'm just, um, this one has a few scales in it, but I'm trying to get to a bunch of other junk in here. Um, let's see. Almost there. Yeah, keep up the tension. It's good. It's good for the episode. 
So, um, so here's one. That's so. This is the scale. So you know, this is the one with the most notes in it. I think it's transposition six or seven. It's almost like two yeah. two uh, bebop scales. C and F sharp together. Yeah. yeah. Like the top part. And then, and then that's the mm-hmm. those two. So there's a lot in it. It's nice. So for example, you know, if you can just look. Can you see that very well? Ah, now it's coming together. One. Yeah, I see it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the scale broken up in those things. I, there, you can see right there. Thirds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, four spits just to see what they are. And then there's little patterns just to start. I haven't finished. There's a little bit on this page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this one is the one that, uh, that one in major thirds, tenor player's delight. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I'm kind of joking. It's that one. Yeah. So it's basically like, you know, kind of like this. Yeah. You know, diminished, same thing. Uh, so on and so forth. You know, all in uh, major thirds. So that's this one broken up a little bit. There's some yeah. other bits, but I just started going to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So there are other pages, but you get the idea. Do so you do this away from the instrument or in the on the train or a little bit of both? This yeah. I just kind of I just wrote this all down. I just sit down when you know maybe when I can't play. Yeah, or my wife's on Zoom or something. I just mm-hmm. write out patterns and stuff, you know. Um, so that's that's one example, you know. And then I um, then I think about where I'm going to play it. How would it, you know? Uh, where can I do it with um, you know when I'm playing tunes, mm-hmm. whether they're standards or uh, modern tunes, so on and so forth. So um, this new one I haven't figured out yet, but Sometimes it's nice because sometimes there's so many notes in them. Like this one, you know, um, this one. Mm-hmm. Um, this one immediately, I would think about it in F sharp major and C major. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can also use it on dominant chords. So I've kind of written, you can see on the top, a bunch of chords that you can do already, right off the top. Right off I can't, back, can, right can't read the chords, but. Oh, you can't? Can you see it? I'm there? sure they're there. <laughs> Yeah, there, can you see it a little bit? No. Nope. No. So, you know, I've got... Uh, Maybe you can demonstrate on one chord or something or two chords. Yeah, it's just I just have like uh, C minor, F sharp minor, uh, D flat, G major, uh, F7, B7, uh, uh, D major, sharp nine, A flat, sharp nine, A flat, yeah. uh, A flat major, sharp 11, sharp nine, and then A. Same thing. They're all tritones apart. So the, mm-hmm. that's the first thing, because this whole thing is in tritones. Yeah. And I'm using, right now, I'm just using chords that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Um, and then gradually, I think about, you know, there's a lot of chords that are unfamiliar that you, you know, may not play. Let me see if I can, I've got this all up on a, so I play them on tenor. Usually when I have chords or I'm working through harmony, I usually play it on saxophone and on piano. Yeah. Saxophone first, but I do as much as I can on piano. Obviously, I'm, I have no technique or anything. So, uh, you know, for example, this is a nice, um, it's kind of a symmetrical chord, but it's kind of interesting. 
um, uh, this is thirds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, for example. So I just look for what's in the chord. So this is all thirds going up. Thirds almost thirds in the bottom, thirds in the top, I think. Yeah. So Yeah, I'm trying to think about what the upper structure is. Like I have the the it's C. It's yeah, it's C. I'll just play the one. C play the D scale. F A and then Oh the yes. Oh yeah. Oh wait a minute. F A. That's it. Yeah. There's also I forgot the G. There's a. Oh, there's a G also. Okay. There's a G also. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's pentatonic almost like. It's, it's a pentatonic. It's, totally. Yeah. Pentatonic. And then. That's it. So that's. Uh, the, the second well, one the starts second at. Starts um, at uh, C sharp. I started in C sharp or D flat. D flat. Yeah. Uh, And it's uh, yeah, it's um, so that's that's thirds. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I it's the way I put it here, the way I'm you know, writing it. Out. Yeah, that's it's all thirds. Yeah, so every cool. other note, you know, it's interesting, right? Thank you for checking out this episode. If you enjoy these conversations, please consider joining me on Patreon.com/PabloHeld. My Patreon community helps me to pay for the running costs of this podcast and to develop it further into the future. There's two ways to join me there. The interview tier will give you access to lots of behind-the-scenes content. And also, you get every episode before everybody else. So that's early access to episodes. The other option is the music lessons tier, which will give you everything from the interviews tier, plus two video lessons on different topics each month lead sheets so whenever i transcribe a new song you'll get it first you'll be invited to listening sessions and much more so these are two options for you to join me there by doing that you will be helping me to continue this podcast so thank you and let's get back to the episode so you know so i'm thinking about ways you know places where i could play that you obviously you could play that on a dominant chord you know mm-hmm. That could be easily done on a dominant chord. It's also nice to play. I find it's nice to play on, um, you know, yes. You know, I'm just following exactly what's what's here. You know, but um, you know, it's nice to play on uh, in other places where mostly the centrals of the chord are there, but you have some notes that are. Let's stick out. Sometimes in the upper partials or the lower partials of the chord. That's something that I um, I thought when I listened to your um, origin Nigeria thing. It's like right, yeah. um, there's certain notes where I think, how do you get to them when you yeah, think of a melody? You know. Yes. So that's. I mean. This is another version of that, but that's a, a lot of it is that, yeah. So, um, and usually when I'm doing that, especially when I'm playing or if I'm writing a melody, there's, um, you know, there's usually uh, one or two notes that are um, that are common tones between. And usually there's um, uh, usually the the notes that are say upper partials or outside the chord. They're usually consonant notes, um, meaning consonant intervals. Uh, that have a relationship with the notes that are inside the chord. So 
sounds nice. Basically, yeah. so it resonates well, you know. Yeah. Um, that's usually what I'm trying to do at some point. So, you know, it's, uh, it almost sounds like completely normal, nothing, just relaxed and not a, not a big deal, you know. So, of course, sometimes you, you want that kind of tension, but in this kind of situation, I'm, I'm trying to find something that sounds maybe more floral, that's a word to use. Mm -hmm. um, where, yes, there, there are notes that are outside, but it's coming from another scale or another way of uh, building a set of chords um, over something that's more familiar. Yeah. So, uh, I think we're all trying to do that. This is just one of the ways that I try to do that on a saxophone to try and make it sound, especially when someone's comping or even when someone's not comping. I just want to make it, uh, I usually want to have what I play, if I can, um, try to make the piano player or the guitar player sound good. I want it to meld with whatever voices they're, they're playing. Yeah. I don't really want it to just be against them. Sometimes, you might want that as something instigative, but I'm not necessarily trying to do that here. Mm. So, yeah. How so did I, you? That's a little short. How did you um, work on listening to the people that accompany you? That's a good question. Um, well, first thing I did was was um, when I was much younger, I was just I would just isolate, and I I would just say. Um, I remember this, this is when um, I moved to New Orleans for about nine months and I was playing with Delphi Marcellus and um, I, I was playing with him, but sometimes there were, you know, a lot of jam sessions and games were just play standards. And during those times, I would just listen to one person. And when I play solo, um, uh, I would only play something that where I got information from them. And if I didn't get anything or I couldn't use it or it was too difficult, I just wait. So it might be a painful eight or 12 bars, yep. nothing happened. <laughs> so I just wait. If there's something I could use, rhythmic, melodic, or harmonic, like listening to the top of the piano player's voicings or what's the bass line, or so on and so forth, um, then I'd, I'd try to use it. Or if I heard, you know, for example, chord voices if I could get to the point where I could hear a few notes in it or whatever I try to use that and just try to uh, um, play with it and invent with it as long as I could until it dissipated mm. and then I just wait again just to concentrate on being able to listen to someone else really intently uh, so I do that for a long time and you know gradually got better at it and then I would try to start to get used to just listen to one person while still playing and be able to hear what someone else is playing while I'm playing. That's hard. Yeah. I still think it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult, right? To actually, you know, say, okay, I'm playing and say, oh, okay, you played a, you know, G7 flat nine and uh, 13s on the top, whatever, you know, or to hear the inner voices and just say, okay, all right, I know what you're playing. Oh, okay, let me, see. you know what I'm saying? Just yeah. really be able to do that. And then same thing with the bass um, and same thing with the drums. I'm still working on that. That's very, the rhythm is, that's the, you're asking what I'm really working on that. I'm trying to get much better at rhythm. My, that's the weakest part for me mm. uh, is rhythm. So anyway, but that's what I would do. I just work on each person, each instrument at a time, whoever I'm playing with, and then gradually would be able to put it all together. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's different with every person. Every band is different. So I'm always, every band is different. So I wait and say, okay, what's going on? What's the drummer's right symbol sound like? Wait a minute, I'm not used to it. It's, it's more straight, it swings more, whatever. You know, some people play a lot of drums, like a lot of the kids. Some people not, don't play very much of the kit. So on and so forth, you know, details about that. And, uh, what's their language? Everyone's got different language from the drums. You know, how how do they play? How do they set up the form? What do they do right after the right after uh, right after you know right after one bar one? Mm-hmm. What happens typically? So I just listen. I listen back to recordings just to hear what someone's vernacular is. You know, so I can get used to it and play with that person in that band as opposed to. Uh, for me, I don't want to play the same. I mean, of course, I'm going to be myself, but I just want to address every situation, you know. So that's kind of that's kind of the bulk of what I did, you know, or do still. Hmm. Um, I want to go back to um, actually, I want to go to to Myron's world. That's yeah. the other song that I transcribed um, a couple of days ago. And I shared a little story. We were talking about social media before we started. Um, I shared a little story of a, of a, like the first couple of bars of my transcription. I did a photo and mm-hmm. said, like, I'm preparing for this interview. Okay. And I got uh, like I a go bunch. I got a, no, I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, <laughs> I got a bunch of messages. People sending uh-huh. me their lead sheets of that song and uh, different people sending me uh, lead sheets that you writ, uh, wrote uh, for different mm-hmm. band leaders. Um, they they yeah. sent it to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, don't send it to me yet. I'm still trying to learn it myself, you know. <laughs> send it to me tonight when, I, when I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song so much. And it's so, it's so great to hear the different versions that you've recorded over the years. But I was curious, like, in general, about write, how you write down things and how specific you are with voicings, because I hear in songs like, uh, I say Zürich, you say Zürich. Yeah, that's uh, correct. <laughs> <laughs> and in this world, and, you know, I hear, I hear a specific harmonic language. Um, mm that is very specific and it comes out in other songs, but still I'm not sure when you actually write it out or when you actually have such a great <clears throat> harmonic understanding and, and mutual understanding between you and Kurt, obviously, where you maybe don't have to write it out or just talk about it. So what I did was, yeah. is, I don't know if you can see oh, nice. it. Write down. Yeah, I can see it more or less. Voicings and uh, sometimes mm-hmm. I thought, Maybe that he didn't write out a voicing, but then I just just wrote out the voicing that I think is there mostly. Yeah, I wrote but out I, the voicings too. Oh, you yeah. did because all the leeches that I was sent of people, you know, it's where just the chords. It's just the chords. Yeah, I'm interested in how you name this chord. This one is okay. That's what Kurt played on the record. Yes, exactly. And sometimes with the major seven of the upper structure yeah it's a, that's also in there too but um so some people like to play it some people don't um so i kind of thought of it as um so let me see so, so it's just, it was mm. actually just this 
could. You know, as opposed to that's the way it was played there. But yeah, it's it's basically. Yeah. Could be like so. It was I think I wrote maybe um, uh, uh, A flat minor eleven or uh, D flat sus original. I see. It's a simple way to do it, and I that that chord that you have there is an option. So for some people, it felt like that's that was too harsh. So I left that out. If you want a softer version than you know uh, G flat over G. So it's you know it's an option. So that's what that was. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. Simple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's a beautiful song. I really like it. And also it's so inviting to, you want to play over it. Like you play the melody a couple of times, but I feel like, oh, I want to play. I want to play, you know. Um, very kind. Thank you. But when I listened to it, it was like, I don't really, when I transcribe something, I don't really count bars before, like how long yeah. is the form i just go from sure. you know whatever it is uh yeah. oh, this is the harmonic structure and mm. uh, before i even transcribed it i listened to it uh, you know in the recent days because i listened to it like i i always wanted to tell you like jackie's place when ringtones became a thing on cell phones jackie's place was my ring oh. my first ringtone <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's funny! You know, <laughs> great. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> man, I can I can roll over and die now. <laughs> no, it's just to tell you, um, that's a special album for me, Dharma Days. So in the past days of going back to it, it's like oh, I I know this song, so I listened to it and listened to it and listened to it, and then after a while, I was although I had been listening to listening to it for such a long time, I was amazed that it's a 16 bar form you know because it always seemed longer to me right i know what you mean yeah and well, i don't know i think there's something about the harmonic structure of this piece where it's sometimes you feel like oh it's we're here again but it's different you know it's mm -hmm. similar colors come uh, return yeah uh, exactly. and that yeah. kind of elongates the f the feeling for the form with me at mm -hmm. least yeah, no, I I totally hear you. That that's uh, uh, yeah. I was trying to write. That's kind of what I was trying to do: is write a short tune, um, that sort of feels circular and comes to similar places again. Kind of like a long form. It's a long form, right? You you play something and you you recapitulate, but with with the development things like that. So it feels like you've had a, a story to tell or something like that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was, I was trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's what it was. So I guess it worked for one person. <laughs> <laughs> for sure it did. Yeah. Um, would you share some memories of the, of working on that music at that time, recording the music, rehearsing the music, you know, for Dharma days? Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I remember um, it was pretty, I barely remember, it was fairly straightforward. It was in, um, I think we did it at a Sear, in this, uh, I think it was Studio B, the smaller one, the one upstairs. Mm -hmm. uh, C, I guess they have now is a bigger room, but the one upstairs. Um, yeah, and the, and the, the, 
uh, I think the base room was the, it was a little bit, um, I think everyone had their, uh, uh, the doors slightly open and then there's glass doors and they're slightly open. So it was a little bit, there's more bleed on that recording. I think drums were just in the middle of the room with partitions. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, we played the music. Maybe we, I don't even remember having much of a rehearsal. We played a little bit and then we just did it. Um, there wasn't that much. I think there was some, a uh, little bit of discussion about some details, especially between Kurt and I, some things we kind of knew because we've been the similar language between us, but yeah, there wasn't a lot of, um, not a lot of rehearsal. Maybe we had one rehearsal. I just, I barely remember that. I. The working on the tunes and all that kind of happened afterwards. And we actually, we didn't even play that much after the recording. After mm. recording, maybe we had two tours. And that was it. I mean, you know, nobody wanted us. <laughs> so it was, no, really, it was very difficult, you know, and that was it, you know. So um, I hate to say it, there's not a whole lot to say that I remember. It was, it was uh, most of it, there weren't many takes. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe three, yeah. a lot of them mm -hmm. are just first or second takes. It was a pretty fast session. Went through, I think, I guess we had two days. Most of it was in one day. Mm -hmm. How do you uh, think, think about the it. album now, like with um, more than 20 years apart? I feel like um, I'm, I'm glad I did it at the time. I, um, Yeah, I, I feel, uh, I, yeah, I, I feel much, you know, how, when maybe you don't, but I feel much better about it in hindsight than I did at the time. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, I, I feel, uh, I feel generally good about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, I was trying things I just, I didn't, I wasn't sure about, I didn't know, but I just went in and did them. I was curious about things I didn't know what, they would be like and the you know it sounded um maybe the music was more uh how can i put it i don't know uh risky sloppy i don't know what to call it mm -hmm. compared to what else was going on at the time so i i, I felt very vulnerable at the time mm. putting out a record like that i felt you know i felt like ah oh, nobody's gonna listen to this i'm not doing you know, post Young Lions. I mean, that's what was happening at that time. You know, mm -hmm. Really, that's what was, you know, if you're going to make a record and get out and play line stuff, it had to be like that. Nothing against Young Lions. I, very good. But I'm just saying that that was Yeah, it. yeah, sure. And this was totally not that at all. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I stuck to my guns and <laughs> did what I wanted to do, you know. Um, so... Yeah, um, and uh, you know, it doesn't feel uh, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel dated to me. Yeah, in the sense that it, you know, um, doesn't feel like that was a maybe now nowadays someone your age might say, oh, that's a real '90s thing to do, but <laughs> it doesn't feel like that as much to me mm. as I thought it would. So yeah, anyway, it, I'm you know I'm I'm. Uh, generally feel decent about it. What was the process on, on Zürich, that song? 
Um, well, the first time it a couple recorded, of times. I recorded the first time was on the first record I did. Mm -hmm. um, and we've been playing it with, we've been playing it in Kurt's band uh, with Jeff and Ben. So he already knew it. Um, and so it, it didn't take much. It was, it was kind of a, I wasn't going to do it actually. And uh, Matt Pearson said, hey, do another tune. That's something we've been playing live already. So I said, okay, well, let's play it. So we just did it. It was, so it wasn't, um, you know, it was, uh, it wasn't much of a process, I guess. It was more something we, was sort of in our language we've ever been doing for a while. And uh, yeah, it was It's like something that, that I have, I've heard uh, a couple of times from you and Kurt together is the, the, that thing of playing a groove, but playing something rubato over that groove. Right, exactly. So. Yeah, it was one of those tunes. There are other ones too that Kurt had written. So it was kind of like Christmas that. song is yeah. another favorite. Christmas of mine. song is like that. Yeah. There might be another one or two that's like that, but Christmas song is the most, you know, well known of those. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there I forgot there's some other ones, but so yeah, that was that kind of you know a little bit I mean, maybe rhythmically, I guess we were kind of sort of thinking, I don't know if, kind of like a you know, that record um that Ornette record science fiction. Mm -hmm. I would say if anything, that, that's kind of where it comes from, is that kind of yeah. that kind of playing melodies, chords over over some kind of rhythm that may be semi-continuous. That yeah. makes sense, but that's kind of what that is, I think. Mm -hmm. um, here's something else that I'm curious about. Um, I know that John Coltrane was a big and still is a big influence on you. Yes. So I want to pick your brain a little bit in terms of Steve Grossman, Dave Liebman, uh, Michael Brecker. Uh, yes. You, all of those and there are more, of course, but these yeah, players went so deep on train. Mm. Yeah. And all of them sound different. Right. They do more or less. Mm -hmm. How does that work? Oh, why do they sound different? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm talking about John Coltrane what being a, a portal, you know, being a portal, like you go deep, but you, you get transported to a different place if you really go mm -hmm. deep. Yeah, if you go in. Um, yeah, I mean, um, it's, uh, it's a hard thing to, hard to comment on that one. But, um, well, I think, I think one is, um, This this sort of an aside, but related. I do think that you know not everyone accesses music this way, but I think many people do by um, you know emulating your your um, your heroes musically, and um, and then sort of coming out the other side as yourself. And I I do think that um, you know anything that we uh, any music that we listen to an experience basically we're hearing a reflection of ourselves anyway mm -hmm. you know it's just your interpretation for example if they're let's say train if they're you know five people listening to train i think in in their mind's ear if you if they um let's say if there is a ai or a computer that could print out what they hear is train they would all sound different yeah the notes would be different the things that they're attracted to would be different um, some would have lots of more lyricism, some would have more, uh, 
you know, uh, uh, technical uh, proficiency, mostly that. Some would have more of the blues in it. Uh, some would have more long form playing. Some would be uh, all about fire and burning, you know, they'd, or some amalgamation of those. They'd all be slightly different. So I think that they, uh, you know, those, those musicians who were highly influenced by train, um, I just think they all had, um, uh, they all came up, came about it, came at it from their own angle, and uh, accessed from Train, who's the root and fountain of all wisdom in music. Others, <laughs> 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 actual players, no, among others, I, I yep. wouldn't say that alone. Um, you know, it was their vision of Train, and I think that's why they all sound different. Mainly, you know. Yeah. So that's my feeling about it. Um, you know, you could also include people like Harold Land, mm -hmm. embrace train later on. You know, mm -hmm. Azar Lawrence. You know, people like that. Um, what is your relationship way, to way shorter, you to know? Harold Land? Sorry for oh, interrupting. Well, my my relationship is very close. That's my yeah? relationship with Harold Land. I was yeah, listening Harold to, that, uh, to that to uh, that Bobby Hutcherson record. Um, that, oh yeah, there's uh, Medina. Um, yeah, I'm talking about the one. one uh, he's in f front. It's a pink cover, I think. Um, it's not. Does he have um? There's the one that's in live in San Francisco. I forgot the name of it. There's a lot of a lot of the tunes are are longer. It's with forms. the singer. The singer. Which one is that? I wonder which one that is. That's that's not this one. I don't think the one I'm thinking of. I forgot the name of it. Anyways, I heard Harold Lance playing on it, and I thought. I wonder if Mark Turner has heard this album, uh, you know, yeah. I, and I, you know, I, I was, I was curious about the relationship of you guys and, and what you, what do you think about his playing and how he's influenced oh, you? Yeah, he's influenced me quite a bit um, in the last, maybe the last five, seven years. Mm -hmm. um, I always, I always uh, loved his play, but you know, after it, takes time you know sometimes i think of players i like but i don't get to them for another five ten years I'm still yeah. working on people and you know yeah so yeah he was he is um what is it about him i he's kind of in this line of players that i like who are you know most of them are, are coming out of lester young so they you know train dexter gordon uh joe henderson mm -hmm. uh, uh wayne uh you know, or Marsh, all these people, among others, I've just named some, you know, uh, and uh, Harold Land is another one, Clifford Jordan, all these people that are sort of in that line, more or less. I mean, there's, you know, I'm just, these are all generalities, of course. Uh, so he has, he's, you know, to me, he's got that. Uh, the other thing is he has this, um, you know, he's from California. So there's a whole set of musicians that are from their roots are from Texas and Oklahoma, people and uh, Western Louisiana who moved out to the West as opposed to moving to Chicago or um, and then eventually going to New York. It's just another migration of people from the South and the way they address uh, North American music and the way they address the blues in particular is different than uh, what it sounds like in Chicago mm. or let's say farther east, like Mississippi, Alabama. Uh, the way they address the blues and 
their time, their feeling, their sensibility is a little more Western. It's a little bit more, it's a little more mysterious, um, more space, more air in the sound. And somehow it's not, I wouldn't say more direct, but more, um, more minimal, mm. which I, I really love about the musicians musicians from that period. So that includes from that area. So that includes, you know, includes Ornette. He's got mm -hmm. that, you know, Dewey Redmond. They all have that, uh, you know, uh, uh, James Black, all these people who have that kind of uh, southwestern and western sound about their the way they address this music. So that I, I was particularly attracted to. And also, also at that time, I was just trying to figure out my relationship to the blues and soulfulness. Mm. Uh, just trying to figure that out. What, what does it mean to me? How do I address it? Which music musicians do I relate to? Um, I also went back to listening to music, musicians I'd listened to a long time ago, but just only for that element, really, just where does that come out? That's interesting. You know, because mm. um, I, I felt for a long time I was sort of, uh, how can I say, uh, I was afraid of it, meaning I didn't want to, I didn't want to play it in a way that didn't feel authentic to me and felt, you know, maybe banal or something like mm -hmm. that, meaning... I'm supposed to play the blues because I'm an African-American jazz musician. So let me play something that sounds like blues vernacular, but I don't really know how to access it. And I'm not really connected to it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I feel that, I feel that that's wisdom music and it needs to be addressed with care. And uh, as often with anything wisdom oriented, it could be very, very simple on the surface, but and can easily become banal if not addressed with care and time. Oftentimes so, it doesn't, uh, it's not addressed with care. It's like, let's play, uh, let's I mean. play blues. Blues and F, yeah, come on, let's play. I mean. Exactly. That's, I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> let's play blues like an yeah. afterthought? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. That's the hardest shit to play. Yeah. Let's play something else if you don't want to you don't yeah. have play blues. It's not just a set of changes to play your shit over, you know. Mm -hmm. It's my opinion. But... And it's just one opinion, but that's how I feel about it. So yeah. anyway, Harold Land was, a, was one of my uh, important windows into figuring out how it relates to me and how I can step into that door. Into Any that pool. particular recordings? Um, I, definitely the, the first one that I listened to was the, I think it's a double CD or maybe it's called Medina, the Bobby Hutchinson record. That was super important for me really, really brought me into that. And then, you know, there's the, um, I think it's New Shade of Blue. Mm -hmm. uh, whew, I love that record, it's so killing. Um, and then the the um, the one where, um, I think it's called West Coast Blues, maybe it's called West Coast Blues, the blue cover, um, the one with uh, West Montgomery on it. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one with, uh, with the Watts Chowers on it, I forgot the name of it. Um, mm -hmm. I remember album covers better than names of album covers, albums. But that one, you know, those are the ones that I listen to most. And there's some, I think there's some other maybe bootlegs I'd heard of, I'd heard with, uh, with, uh, uh, in Bobby Hutcherson's band, uh, Bobby Hutcherson's band, or maybe it was, you know, dual led. Yeah, these all-stars, there's, there's a California all-stars or something, or um, mm. Riverside all-stars. Okay. Yeah. I think also that was it. with uh, Hutchison and Billy Higgins and uh, right exactly yes 
Yeah, who else? Um, maybe Cedar Walton. I'm not. I'm not sure. Okay, maybe. I'm not sure, but those are the ones, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So also, you know, just that element, and then how we pulls that into language, how we embrace train, but still kept all that earlier super slick, very close uh, bebop language. The, also, that he never plays in the altissimo. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. It plays all that in a small interval, just like Hank Mobley. So I start going back to Hank Mobley too. Mm. You know, it's all basically in a maybe an octave and a fifth, octave and a sixth. Mm -hmm. It goes in the palm keys sometimes, but it's all in the center of the horn, mm -hmm. which I think to play a lot of content and meaningful content is very difficult to do well. It's kind of more like trumpet players. Mm -hmm. Really, really nice. So that's another reason I checked them out, just to be able to access that language. Also, you know, with train and also maybe quote unquote modern language. I don't really like to use that word, just maybe chronologically modern, but not mm -hmm. artistically or aesthetically modern. Maybe that's a clear way to say it. Um, so I could play, you know, it just helped me to play um, different, uh, different kinds of tunes, but I still have a certain amount of soulfulness that I wanted. I felt sometimes when I was playing modern music, I didn't have enough of that. So in order to play, I felt like modern music, which I think most of it is very, not always, but a lot of it is very rhythm section, guitar or keyboard oriented. Mm -hmm. There's a certain amount of, there's a certain language that sort of somehow doesn't work. Mm. Can't really, I feel that you, on saxophone, you can play it, play the changes, it works harmonically, but I feel like the vernacular doesn't quite work. So I was trying to, feel, I've kind of left some of the, vernacular that sort of has more soulfulness in it. And, and I felt like uh, uh, Harold, among others, also listening to trumpet players really helped me to sort of bring that in mm -hmm. and still play modern tunes, meaning tunes that are written today. Um, it's, anyway, just helps me to get more complex with the language and the time and stuff, you know, in ways yeah. that I wasn't able to do before. So, sorry, long-winded answer, but that's a lot of what I gleaned from that man. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also curious about um, when we come up, we learn what to play over one chord. And right. then maybe, <laughs> you know, on this chord, you can play this or this, yeah. you know, and then mm -hmm. this leads to the next chord. Yeah. And then you kind of learn phrases by other people and try to internalize them, and they that leads to your own thing, uh, mm -hmm. your own language in a way. Yeah. But absolutely. what I, um, what I really admire about you is uh, one of the things is that I think you're able to connect ideas in a very special way that, um, uh, allows you to play very long lines that continue mm -hmm. to be interesting and have a, um, how do you say? Is it is it a th through line or something or um, something like like a thread, connecting thread? Sure, I understand. Um, what's what has helped you to become better at that, connecting ideas and not being stuck to okay, this is those three chords and I'm going to play over those three chords, you know, sure, not to yeah. be bound by that. Right, I hear you. Uh, I would say the first thing was was checking out piano players. That really helped me a lot. 
just listening to piano players. And then as I, I find people that play keyboard instruments and also guitar, it's so, the language is so different just because of the na nature of the instrument than most horn players, especially saxophone players. Um, uh, partially because you don't have to take, you don't have to take a breath, mm -hmm. <laughs> but then many piano players, the, the greatest ones play as if they're breathing. That's what makes, I think, which makes them great is that. So just, I suppose they're just addressing it like a keyboard instrument, but it's the, the fact that you can keep playing as long as you want. <laughs> it, uh, if you check it out, just listening to it, kind of one kind of allowed me to just hear how that could be done. Another one, of course, is listening to, um, you know, I got involved in um, listening to uh, Lenny Tristano, and as you, everyone knows by now, uh, Warren Marsh, Lee Konitz, that really helped me a lot, just hearing, you know, uh, consistent um, um, invention of melody, and sort of feeling on the edge of your seat, but somehow uh, they never quite fall over. So one is that just constant invention and they're you know i'm using the, them as example but they're of course other others who exemplify that too other piano players i can think of it too for sure so and i was listening to them too so you know i i had a, a long keith jared face i just listened to keith jared all the time just listening to that super long inventive melodies i mean i remember just that's all i listened to for a few years for a year or two of summers i remember a summer i was just listening to that that was it just trying to get that vibe in saxophone yeah um because that you know i'd also been listening to major sound on those people too but then i wanted to find other versions of it who else is doing that of course um uh uh herbie hancock too um and you could if you keep going there are other piano players too um also in that vibe but i i was listening to them in particular bud Powell. um so um so that helped me just getting in my ears so i transcribed also a little bit you know bits and pieces of all these different people um and the other thing too was sent just trying to figure out you know just transcribing a lot of language i have a certain way that i practice language um i have lots of workbooks so when i have solos that i've i have written out i always write them out and i usually unless they're really short like a few bars I might just bring the horn out, but I always just write them out without the instrument. Um, just it's just good inner training, and just for me to trust myself. And then I might yeah. check it later with the horn and see if I how much I fucked up or didn't, so on and so forth. But I always have worksheets of uh, lines that I think uh, ways to connect lines, things that they may have played and say, "Hey, he lands on the third, but actually." There's this other thing, the place that starts on the third and it could keep going. And oh, it ends on the major seven and it could start on major seven and play this line, so on and so forth. And I might, a lot of it was kind of like, um, kind of like uh, conjugating verbs if you're learning a new language. Mm -hmm. So it might have a, you know, it could be a two five, it could be one quarter, anything, just two, let's say two bars of language. And so and so ends on, I don't know, the nine of the major chord, whatever it is. Yeah. And I tried to say, okay, from there, how many things can I play that I know by heart that I can play again? I usually say I need to play 10 things that I can play now, right now, language, two bars, landing on the night. And I just test myself, say, oh, maybe I might find, okay, I only play this one thing on the night all the time. All right, I need to practice working on the nine. 
and I do it on every single note. Yeah. Just keep going until I can, on every note, I feel comfortable. This is me. I'm not talented. So I, I just have to work on everything. I know some people have lots of, who are very talented. Music flows for them. That's not me. Mm. So I have to figure out ways to do it. But that's one way it's really helped me. Mm. And I do it with all kinds of chords, different kinds of combinations of chords, um, working on voice leading is a big one. Um, and then working on, um, also working on um, uh, cadences. So different kinds of cadences, you know, if you start here, how many moves, how many chords to get from A, a to point B. So mm. I start with C to C, then get from C to B major. C to be flat major, so on and so forth. Mm. You know, all top keys. Can you play an ex example on the piano? Uh, I don't know if I can do it on piano, maybe on saxophone. <laughs> so, you know, I would, you know, basically would start with fives and then, you know, five to one, then four to one, then five minor to one. So, for example, you might have, I'll just do triads. So, for C, you know, uh, you know, uh, and then obviously. So if I, and then, and then four, right, and then four minor. And I keep going, and then I go through a, a selection of subdominant chords. Mm. So you might have, you know, A flat major, uh, you know, D flat major. Uh, I might do things like I might take chords from another key so let's say it's a long it's a long process so i it's hard to go through it quickly now but uh i might say i'm in c let's say i'm in c and i might go through all the two fives i'll start with two fives um from an adjacent key that's close so uh, this is all i'm just coming back to c so let's say c and i'll take chords maybe from a flat major so maybe something like c going So other than two fives, I might go four and five. Mm. I might go uh, uh, um, flat three dominant to uh, uh, four dominant. So something like, you know, kind of like what Train would do, for example, like, uh, you know, you know mm. for example, there are a bunch mm. of different ones, so on and so forth, but I'll go through a lot of different ones and take them through all keys and go back to one. Then I'll do the same thing. Once I've heard what all these cadences sound like, the ones that I like or I feel that make most sense, there's a lot of reasons to go through it, blah, blah, blah. Then I'll do the same thing going from C, then I'll modulate to uh, B major. 
so on and so forth. You understand what I'm saying? So I'll just go through every possibility first, and then I'll and I'll go from C to B flat, C to A, C to A flat, C to G. Um, so I'll just try with two moves, then I'll try with three moves, four moves. You know? Yeah. So so on and so forth. There's a bunch of things to do, but um, that's one thing I'll work on. So that kind of helps me to be used to any moves that might be put in front of me. Don't get stumped. Uh, I've seen most of the moves that will happen, probably. So when I run into something, okay, fine. Then I work on voice leading. So yeah, uh, moving from different chords, difficult moves, especially chords that are far from each other. You know, mm. so I'll work on those back and forth. You know, uh, might be C major and E flat minor. You know, mm. C major and F sharp major, so on and so forth. You know, I just find all the common tones so I can quickly see them between yeah. the words. Yeah, this is where uh, the piano I, helps, right? To have the visual. Oh yeah, totally helps. And then I work it on the horn, so I work out a bunch of lines that have common tones where you're playing through, playing with them uh, through the line. Uh, there'll be a lot of passing tones, landing on chord tones with common tones with chords that are very far from each other, so on and so forth. Blah blah blah. But I, I do a lot of that stuff, you know. Mm. Uh, so. That among other things, but it helps me to continue to keep going with information. Um, and then I, you know, I have a lot of um, little, uh, I don't know if we call them devices or uh, axioms to myself that I write about ways to just keep going or keep inventing once I've landed on some place. Mm. Um, part of it is just going through as many, um, part of it is just if I, if I'm practicing, there's something I like, I don't let it go. I usually stop and say, what is that? You know, instead of yeah. just passing over and placing, you know, so I write it down. If it's something yeah. I will remember, then I develop it and make more patterns out of it so I can get familiar, blah, 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 blah. Sorry, but, you know. <laughs> so, I know what you mean. I'm, you know. I'm, that's something that I do also. Like, I feel like a lot of times we too often let things go or pass by beautiful things yeah. that when, when we listen to music and say killing killing solo or killing lion right. and right but we kind of miss that that's an opportunity that's our body our soul our brain telling yeah. us like pay attention that's that's it that's exactly. you that's uh, yeah. you know as you said like you you're seeing a reflection of yourself in a way mm -hmm. yeah. or there's potential for yeah. for learning something yeah absolutely so i also try to isolate those moments and yeah see try to apply them and and usually you you find something new yeah always i think most of the time yeah there's mm. something there or sometimes it's just a variation of something that you i think variations are very helpful you know variation of something that you already do i think it's helpful to find i find for myself to find lots of variations of things that i I already like, or I'm already playing, mm -hmm. and, um, and they keep going until they finally become something else. You know? So, here's something. I, I I'm going to tell you a little story, and yeah. then uh, I'm I'm going to ask you something uh, uh, related to that. So, I've been playing with this trio, uh, which you know we you actually sat yeah. in with us once. I don't know if you remember. Uh, I don't know if I remember. Yeah, we, we were playing with no. Chris Potter in Esslingen, and you were playing oh, with yeah, I remember Rickett, that. and then I you remember, yeah. you came in I to uh, yes, sit in that. on Down That Dream. Anyways, I'm yeah, still with that. that trio, and mm -hmm. um, uh, I grew up 
with them together. You know, we kind of came up together and, and a lot of learning experience I can trace back to um, working with them on, on various musical things. So we were uh, at, at a certain moment, we were kind of trying to make up cues for going into different meters or for stopping to play like music. Yeah. At, at first there were visual cues just in rehearsal, mm -hmm. try out oh, yeah. five, let's do five. And then it became musical cues. So I would play a mm -hmm. phrase and then we would go into five or yeah. a certain phrase would mean uh, the drummer has to stop or whatever, you know? Yeah, I know um, what you mean, yeah. And then we were getting better at that. And then at a certain moment we realized we don't need the cues. We mm. can just play in five. And if we yeah. listen, closely we will notice yeah. that he's playing in five and that right. means i can follow him and that was mm. a big breakthrough uh mm. a, just a, like a realization that we had together yeah so i'm curious what these kind of uh i'm curious about these moments that you i'm sure you had similar moments with the peers that you've you know mm. came up with within the golden 90s uh you know <laughs> um so I'm, I'm i'm basically curious about that like breakthrough moments mm. with your peers um well i can think of one breakthrough moment um playing with kurt at this club called three of cups at least for me maybe it was for him maybe it meant nothing i think he he felt it too but uh yeah it was a moment where um I think I've never been, I mean, later I got better at it, I think, but at that point I'd never been that connected to someone else. Like we were playing, we were playing a, as a tune, we were playing and then eventually ended up duo. Um, and uh, it was like totally, it felt completely synchronized. And I wasn't even, I, I, you know, there was no, um, no thinking, no worry, no, um, it was almost like, I don't know, it felt like the same instrument or something. I'd never been connected like that before with another uh, mm. musician. I'd never, I didn't know what that felt like. I mean, we, you know, the four of us been connected quite a bit, very close, anticipating each other, understanding what each other would do musically, harmonically, especially melodically in particular too. Um, But at that point, I'd, I'd hadn't, um, it's definitely a breakthrough moment in terms of, you know, trust. I think music takes a lot of trust. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you totally. want to get to a level that's, I don't know, a level that feels authentic, profound, meaningful to you, as opposed to uh, just, uh, you know, proficiency, high level proficiency in craft, that's also great. But at some point, You know, I think at some point you have to go beyond the thinking mind. I think we all know that to some extent. And there's thinking mind is too slow for that, mm. you know, and maybe it doesn't know enough. So anyway, that happened. I've been trying to learn to work on just listening and trust. What I was telling you about earlier about listening to each musician at a time. I've kind of been just working on that for a long time, just trying to figure out how to improvise, how to see what it feels like to make something up based on things that I know or what's going on, listen to other people, play mm. at the same time. For me, that was very new. 
and I've been just working hard at it for four or five years at that point, and that was a, a moment. Mm. So it continued more other times, but that was a, a breakthrough moment, at least for me. Mm -hmm. I think for other people, it probably happens all the time, but for me, it, you know, it meant a lot. So, yeah. What is something that you've learned from Jorge? Um, Jorge, whoa. <laughs> Jorge is, um, <laughs> he's one of those people that I'm talking about that's, he works really hard, but he's also just super talented. He just, I've known him since he was, I mean, when he first came to the States, he's, he came to Berkeley on a trumpet scholarship and played like KD. He sounded great, mm -hmm. just, you know, and he played drums. He's just one of those people that's kind of a, I don't know, ambidextrous uh, and always checking things out and uh, uh, digests musical material, I think, very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess, I don't know, what I learned from him is, um, one, I think, one thing I think I learned from him is that um, it's okay to not be that way and figure out my own way and not be, in, you know, it's easily for me to be intimidated. Otherwise, I would have stopped playing music a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and also just, um, you know, I guess to be around someone who is, uh, uh, how can I say it? I don't know. Um, that like-minded, maybe learn from him. Uh, well, I mean, I already had a strong work ethic, but maybe reinforced work ethic. Mm -hmm. um, and dedication to the masters and uh, learning standards and mm -hmm. um, being, um, and just, you know, finding, um, always finding newness and invention in, in what can be considered old, you know, story is just I don't know how many tunes he knows hundreds mm -hmm. of tunes now yep you know? and super into it and always inspired so I guess you know I don't know I've learned that from him but maybe also just reinforced feelings always felt like that but yeah um, yeah I've learned about the simple beats yeah and time and flow just musical flow, just how to just keep it going. Uh, being involved, but also lighthearted. Yeah. Like deep into it, but also light. Like, it's not that serious, but it is, but it's not mm -hmm. a little bit. Or he's got that. Mm -hmm. Can be totally in, but like, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the civil rights almost still sounds killed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just that kind of. Uh, lightness and you know his feet are always on the ground uh even though this hit can be way in the in the heavens or in some place mm -hmm. you know just that kind of it's nice to know that sometimes when things get too heavy that's what it sounds like you know? yeah uh, being deep in the music doesn't mean having your head in the mud you know what i'm saying exactly. you know what i'm saying it, you yeah. know it's good it's good to have a few balls rolling sometimes it makes you concentrate more mm -hmm. so i learned that from him too how is it for you to to have such a close relationship with somebody and all of a sudden he's at a different instrument? And you, you know, because you've played with him when he was on drums and on yeah. vibes, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What That's does great. it do to it's, you? It's, what's it? it's not, I mean, it's nice to hear the same personality in another instrument. That's what, you know what I mean? It's nice to have that validated. 
and also hear that how the instrument does change your you know the language changes is another instrument you have to say things that you might want to say in a different way but then uh but you know you can still you can still hear their personalities maybe it's here it's a little bit like hearing someone reincarnated if you mm -hmm. actually knew who they were <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. what i'm saying <laughs> i guess yeah. something like that you know <laughs> so yeah i just uh, watched a re watched a beautiful video of you playing with Jorge and Al Foster and, and Doug. Okay. And yeah. Pete, Pete Bernstein. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, <clears throat> how was that experience for you to play with Al Foster? Um, it was, uh, can I put, how can I call it, solidifying um, mm. and um, uh, solidifying would mean that, you know, it's, it's, it's always helpful to play with older musicians, like we're working a lot of music and see, okay, let's sort of the test. Does this language, does what I'm doing fit with the way they play, mm -hmm. with the sound of their instrument, particular drummer, their red symbol, their, their comping. Uh, so it's a, I'd say it's solidifying. I hate to use the word validation because it's kind of like, I don't know, it feels like a, Uh, egotistical validation. Yeah. I don't mean that, but validation of what you've been working on and what your vision is and what you think should be done. So a lot of times we're just working, working with recordings, right? Mm -hmm. Playing with our peers. If you play with someone older, it validates meaning it's like, okay, this person was on this record. This person yeah. played with these people and it's okay, it sounds right. Or, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't quite sound right. I need to change it up because I see how it actually sounds mm -hmm. in real life. So that's that's kind of how I felt like that or feel playing with someone like him or Billy Hart or some of the other people I played with who are older. Uh, similar experience, but different, you know, different individual, different language slightly. Um, I would say, you know, same thing with another uh, another example would be uh, uh, Paul Motion. Well, Billy Hart's band, but I would say uh, Tom Harrell is very. Oh, very yeah. Helpful. Man, super helpful, especially because I played with him once in the 90s, back when Vigioni still was working. I think it might have been 97 or something. Then, uh, must have been 15 years, and I started playing with him again, maybe 2016, 17. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, that was 20, was 20 years went by. So, you know, I hopefully I've grown and mm -hmm. learned a lot since then. Tom Harrell was very, um, that really helped me a lot. Because I, I see him as, um, and I remember hearing him in high school, and I was so attracted to his music. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it meant. Just the feeling of the way he plays. Yeah. It's very close to, you know, just my, among other people, my vision. He's similar to Harold and other people. And Train, you know, there's a certain minimalism. I really like minimalism, obviously. Among other things, or the way that he deals with maximalism that I really admire and I aspire to do myself. And it was great every night to hear how he does it and how it feels. That's the thing about records is it's hard to see how it feels when you're right next to someone, there's an yeah. energy, you know, we all know that, right? That's why you want to hear people live, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, or listen to live recordings is the next best thing anyway, mm -hmm. but that was extremely helpful, similar kind of feeling, but just, uh, solidifying things that, and also you know, solidifying some things and also, again, maybe a course correction mm -hmm. on some things too, you know, like how to play an altissimo with some people, when to do it, mm. um, how to play with, how to deal with time, how to, 
make it sit in a certain way so that it still moves forward, but not too much, especially with that mm -hmm. band. Um, which, you know, all the bebop masters had, um, Harold Lane has all of them just able to keep it, you know, just before it gets to a red flame, keep the content going because you can't you can't rely on playing too loud or yeah or drama to do it. It's all has to be content, placement, time to keep the excitement. That's I that's how I see them play. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's difficult. So yeah. that's you know, that's what Tom does. He play he'll play one chorus. <sighs> Or if he doesn't feel right, he'll start right in the middle of the chorus. Yeah. Just that, to me, that kind of uh, trust, like, to finish this chorus, the shit's mm -hmm. not right, <laughs> or that's when I feel like ending, and that's it. Done. Mm -hmm. I was like, Whoa! Mm -hmm. love that shit. I, was, I still can't quite do it myself, but sometimes. But just that kind of conviction, and it, you can feel in every note. You know, I want that kind of conviction. He has that kind of conviction also where, it's feel like um, the energy can go really intensely, but it's all content. He's not yeah. playing loud, and um, he's uh, he's just got so much rigor in every note. It's just like super tight. It like feels like bent. also every note can could go into all kinds of directions. Yes, like but he's always he's got that surprise. It's like rock solid, but also flexible. Yeah, and full of folklore. Oh man. Mm hmm. <laughs> was so killer just to try to, you know, get next to that, you know, um, and see what it feels like. And also he's got this thing where he doesn't let anyone push him around. Mm -hmm. No matter how intense the drum gets, he's like, all right, fine. He's like the, he's kind of like the, um, like it's a pressure cooker and he's, he's the stopper on the pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. Doesn't let it come off. Mm -hmm. It's like, I've got control of this situation mm -hmm. and I'm not, I, this is how I don't want to play or this is what I want to do. But he also lets it, push him too when he wants i just love it just he's got that amount of control and abandon anyway mm -hmm. blah 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 but did you ask him a lot of helpful. questions uh no i i just listened to him <laughs> you know i i usually just listen to people play and you know i let other people ask the questions or you know he has a lot to say actually he's very erudite he can just go on forever if you want if you ask him the right questions mm-hmm It has to be the right questions. Sometimes it's a one or two word answer. <laughs> He's like, all right, <laughs> you know. So anyway, but so no, I didn't. But mm -hmm. I learned a lot anyway. So, what about playing with Paul Motion? Um, I love that Pearl River album, Jakob Bro. Oh yeah, with you yeah, and Chris Cheek. That's really yeah. a special album. Really special. Uh, yeah, Jakob's got away with uh, with doing that. I think putting people together and yeah. somehow making it all—he's really fantastic uh, musician and curator. I think. Um, yeah, I, I did. How can I? He's. Um, how can I say one moment? I think I I did ask him to play as a as a sideman twice, mm -hmm. and at the Vanguard and. Um, He played, um, he just had so much, um, how can I put it, uh, very clear and quick wisdom about what sounds good and what doesn't, like what to play that sounds, when I say sounds good, meaning vibrates in the room yeah, and makes, and maybe people won't like it. His, he was kind of, I think his vibe was whatever, 
kind of, I don't give a shit if people like it or not. Of course, everyone liked it, but, um, and how to play something in the uh, uh, rubato, and sometimes free realm, but not too long mm-hmm. and get to the point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like kind of like, it's kind of like in the bebop school of players, you know, the 50s short solos, get to the point. If you don't get to the point, you ain't got no, you don't have shit to say. That was yep. his vibe. I fucking love that shit. Yeah. That's his vibe. If you get to it quick, you just cut you off. Mm-hmm. No, that's it. You're done. And he's right. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> you are done. Don't keep trying to find it. Yeah. Remember this time, and then maybe next time you'll figure out how to start your solo. Mm-hmm. So one thing that helped me is it's helpful for for me to learn. It's just among others, it's um it's important you know, how you step into the pool and how you walk out, how you start and how you finish. Oh, yeah. The feeling of how you start and being ready and hearing it beforehand. I felt that before, of course, but it's another version of it's very clear about what to do when you, you know, I guess intent when you start. It's something, uh, going back to Jorge, yeah. that I really admire yeah. about Jorge also, like how he starts a solo is always oh, yeah. on point. Oh, yeah. It's super clear. I, I remember when he was when he was working on that and thinking about it too. There's a point where uh-huh. he was really, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember, I don't remember if it was Berkeley. I think it was later once we were all in New York when he mm-hmm. became more very clear and decisive and kind of working and deciding on that kind of you know that kind of aesthetic and play. You know? But it wasn't like that at first. But later on, it became more you know, mm. clear and snappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, but that's. Uh, I remember liking that about playing with Paul and learning about that, you know, no, no meandering. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can search, but the search has to be like, know what you're some way knowing what you're finding, like you're looking for some shit, but okay, I'm looking for a button over there or something, some direction mm-hmm. to your searching as opposed to directionless searching. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, that's what I gleaned. Maybe he would say, that's a bunch of bullshit, Turner. I don't know, but that's what I that I got from it, you know, mm-hmm. among other things. I read when you uh, came to New York, you also met Juan Marsh. Oh no, I didn't. I wish you didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I did not. Yeah, maybe yeah. that was fake news. <laughs> oh no, no, I didn't meet him. Yeah. Okay, I so probably tried to go if, ahead. If you meet him, would meet him mm-hmm. if he would yeah. still be alive. What would you ask mm-hmm. him? Oh man, I'm I'm kind of not a talker. I'm more like just kind of like to have them talk to me through their music mm-hmm. and what they play. But I would ask him certain things. I would ask him what he thinks about, uh, you know, uh, what he practices and what his process is, and what he thinks about melody, how he feels about what he thinks about Louis Armstrong and Lester Young. Mm-hmm. Um, what periods he thinks are important. I'd like to know what he thought about um, Charlie Parker, Bud Powell, Fats mm-hmm. Navarro. I'd like to know what he thought about them, if he saw them. I'd be curious about his own, his own, probably ask him about his formative years and who he heard when he was young yeah. and what he felt about it and what he heard that they were working on or just how he felt about it. And uh, uh, I'd be curious to what, find out what he thinks about you know what is he what does he think about improvising and what he thinks about improvising relatives and what he thinks about the blues mm. I would ask him those things too probably 
Mm -hmm. especially if I met him now, since I'm older. Mm -hmm. I think when I was younger, I would have been too afraid to take a listen from him. Uh, I had, for example, when I started getting into it, I, I knew um, getting into, you know, uh, what I'll call the Tristano School, um, uh, Mike Kanan was studying with uh, Sal Mosca mm -hmm. in the, I think it was the mid, mid to late 90s. And that's kind of where I was getting some information from Mike and, and bootleg tapes and things. And, uh, you know, that's where I probably should have studied with Sal, but I, I was just too, I don't know, I was too afraid to do with it, do it. Just because, I don't know, personally, or I wasn't sure how it was going to work out on a personal level, but I should have gone in. I think I would have learned a lot, but you know, anyway. Uh, I think I needed the, uh, whatever age has given me to ask those questions at this age or go study with them now, but uh, anyway, that's what I would have asked for if I'd had a chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there's something that I thought about <clears throat> when I was listening to uh, your standards ballad album. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, that's something that I really resonate with is um, the way you put your stamp on a standard mm -hmm. with um, adding little things and not changing it into a completely new thing, which you also do but then it actually sure, becomes a new, yeah. then it actually becomes your song. Like it's not all right with me and stuff like that. Yeah, but, um, that's something different. but on the, on the ballad session album mm -hmm. and on other albums as well, um, it makes me think of a quote that really, that I really liked from um, Toots Stielemans, mm. who said um, with the standard, you don't actually have to add much. You don't have to do much. You just have to put your signature on, on, under it. Mm, and I really nice. like this quote, but in the, 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 um, the recent days, like going back because I hadn't listened to the ballad session for a long time. Um, and I listened to it and I, I thought of this quote, but now I thought a new, I added a new thought because, okay, mm. what does it actually mean to give a signature? Sure. Because you shouldn't sign something. That's the, the, the new realization that I had. You shouldn't sign something that, with what you don't know, you know, which you don't understand. Right. You should That's only sign yours. something which you have understood. Right. Makes sense. Sorry. I have to go ahead. This again. Go ahead, man. Hey, mom. What's up? Hello. 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 Oh, hello. Oh, Sorry, it was a, not a, okay, recording. Sorry, go ahead. You should only sign something that you've read and understand. Exactly. Where you know right. about yeah. the content, you know about what's in it, and you know what it right. means to you to yeah. be able to sign it, actually. Right. I and that's what mm -hmm. I can connect to you um, doing standards, in a way. So I wanted to talk to you awesome. and get your view on this. Um. Yeah, putting your stamp on a standard, or whatever. I, I, uh, uh, I agree with that completely. <laughs> um, I guess you just elaborate on this statement that you're. Yeah, I, I totally agree with it. I, also, I always say that to anyone or any student or anyone talking to me. 
uh, for asking about standards, uh, cartoons. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this other tune. What's that tune called that a lot of people will call on? Um, uh, oh, just friends mm -hmm. at a medium dance tempo. You know, mm -hmm. like a like a Lindy Hop tempo, basically like disco tempo. Mm -hmm. And that is the hardest shit to play. Mm -hmm. I remember, like, a lot of times it would happen in sessions. I'm like, man, how can you fucking call that? That's like a death trap to me because mm -hmm. you, you know, you can't run away from the swing. Mm -hmm. It's it's too fast. By you can't play eight sixteenth notes. Run away from the swing. Sorry to say that, but you know, yeah. you can't. You have to play and trying to swing and deal with the the rhythm at that tempo is very difficult. And then it's. It's a little too fast to play, um, to give you time to think about um, playing. It's a very difficult tempo to be right in the center and keep the intensity going and play the changes and play interesting melodies. Mm -hmm. You have to really know it very well. It's not one of those, a lot of times people call it as a, a, like a throwaway tune. I'm just giving an example. I mean, I, that tune is... I find that too very difficult to play well, mm -hmm. among others. You know, it's deceptively simple, so on and so forth. You know, and the the, uh, the turnaround at the end, mm -hmm. you can't. You you need to actually deal with the harmony in there. You can't just play some. You understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of mess that happens sometimes. And my point is that you know, I always feel funny when people, you know, playing a gig or something. We say, let's just call some standards. What do you mean just call standards? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what exactly. are you talking about? I don't get that. You know, if I don't know something, I'll try it. So my feeling is is uh, just to try to I try to spend a lot of time with them. So I'd spend time, you know, learning language, all those things I was talking about before on uh, outside of tunes, but also with tunes and taking little sections and just getting to know each section might be just a change of key between uh, the last part of the A section and the bridge, or a transition from, you know, the first four bars to the second four bars. There are all these really important moments, harmonic yeah. and melodic moments, that you need to set up, or to uh, walk out of, like a door to walk out of, and how you walk out the door without tripling, without tripping. It's really important. So, anyway, um, there's so many little issues and details to deal with in tunes and standards um, that uh, I think it's important to know them well. If you know them well, it's kind of like um, once you know them well enough, then um, then you can... Uh, I, I wrote something down to myself years ago about that. I forgot what it is. But basically, the gist of it is when you something, know something well enough, like um, a certain game, some games that are very challenging or whatever, once you know them well enough, then you can find backdoor ways to sort of uh, circumvent the rules. Yeah. But you can't do it until you know the rules extremely well. Yeah. And each tune has its own rules, and you need to know them. If you do know them, okay, then you can do something to, uh, you know, sort of uh, have your hands around the tune, know it well, or do things that maybe un unorthodox or whatever, but still make them sound like they're part of the tune. But until you go to the do through the door of understanding the tune, all the details and uh, the rules of the tune, I kind of think of it as rules, mm -hmm. then uh, you can't, you need the key to unlock the door. 
Yeah. So until you get the keys, <laughs> you gotta gotta keep knocking. Yeah. So you're not in the tomb, you know. And then you can open the door and say, "Whoa, check all of this shit in here." Yeah. And whoa, there's all these things inside the door that you can inside the room or the house once you get inside. But anyway, that's the way I feel about it. Mm. Um, you know, as not playing the changes or playing with too much drama. Sometimes drama is great once you've opened the door, but it's kind of like knocking on the door giving a, you know, bring a, uh, a battering ram mm -hmm. yelling at the top of your lungs with a, <laughs> with a, uh, megaphone for someone to let you in. And the, the keepers of the keys might be the masters of the changes or whatever. They're not gonna let you in until you figured it out. Yeah. I love thinking about, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're gonna say, uh, wait a minute, you ain't done your work. Mm -hmm. I'll let you in when you figure it out. Then they'll give you the keys or whatever pick out a magical set of keys and then walk in but you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so that's kind of how i feel about it mm -hmm. um with standards or actually anyone's tune who writes a song for you or for you for you to play in their band um, i feel like standards are the the key to help you learn to do that with anything else that you get yeah you know so anyway that's my feeling about it what's the last standard that, that you've learned Uh, what's the last one? Oh my God, I don't even remember. I think I was going back over, I was going back over um, the last one was probably uh, 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 East of the Sun, West of the Moon. Hmm. Um, I knew it, I was playing it one key and the student brought it. He just randomly played it in E flat or something. So I was just playing on piano with him. Then I was kind of relearning it and maybe playing some other changes on it, whatever. I was just going through details. But hmm. That's the last one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Beautiful. How about yourself? Um, I have to think now I, I was more into, you know, learning a couple of your songs. And oh, before yeah. that, I was, I was, uh, actually, I had a little, at the end of the year, I was very concerned with, I was working on two albums of my own and kind mm. of, I did, did too much work. Yeah, I did too much work and I kind of collapsed and became sick and had to stop. Mm dealing with music yeah. for a while i got it yeah. it was like two two weeks of no music for me mm -hmm. and it felt incredible uh, <laughs> and, and, and also it felt like i i noticed how much of my um day-to-day -day things are usually combined with music with me so the mm. the awkward email or the 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 text report or whatever is usually easier for me to do if I listen to something, you know, mm. so I listen to it and I take it in, although I'm not paying like 100% attention, yeah. but it makes it easier for me to do it. So oh, it was totally. almost like when I was a it kid and my parents had me mow, mow the lawn, you know, oh, yeah. it mm. was easier. It was easier totally. with music. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. So um, I noticed like when I actually made myself not listen to music, how much it was the itch was there like ah let me listen mm. ah no you said no let's wait for mm. actual desire to be there yeah so um it came when i was doing a puzzle with my with my son we were doing mm. this big puzzle and um for some reason i picked out one he said like can we listen to music and as i said yes let's do it and i picked mm. out such sweet sun thunder by duke mm. ellington And yeah. I hadn't listened to that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it completely hit me in a 
new way, mm. like in a, in a very, very deep way. And wow. it be became my portal back into music. Great. Only listened to that album. Uh, and then from then on, I began branching out into other albums from the 50s uh, that he recorded oh. for Columbia. Uh, so I learned a couple of songs from uh, such, read, such Sweet sun, Thunder. That's a hard mm -hmm. thing to say for me, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but That's the album fun. really, really hit me in a, in a, in a deep way. So I, I'm working on a couple of those uh, mm -hmm. songs. Wow, and, great. Uh, so that's the last kind of from that mm -hmm. era um, that I was mm -hmm. learning. Nice. Wow. Fantastic. I need to get to your level. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like when I was going back to Duke and also after this music diet, I felt like all the syntax from this music improvised, um, you know, uh, black American music, whatever you want to call it, the syntax and the, the grammar and everything with Duke, you get all of it in a way. It's like, uh, mm -hmm. of course, you can say the same with Charlie Parker and all these, you know, Louis, Louis Armstrong. But yeah. I had a new kind of feeling for, for this music. Mm -hmm. And I'd yeah. been a Duke fan before that, but now mm -hmm. I know, I, I'm sure you know this, where you go into different periods and sometimes it hits you yeah. in an even deeper of way course. and you can't anticipate it. You can't even foresee mm -hmm. it that this, this is going to happen. You become yeah, more totally. vulnerable, you, you become more receptive of a certain kind of yeah. aspect of the music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally hear you. Yeah. And I love this, you know, it's like meeting a friend again and you all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're like, oh, oh, of course, he, you're this person, you know, uh, yeah. I have always seen you in this kind of way and loved mm -hmm. all these things about you. And now I see this new perspective. Yeah, agreed. Which says something about, um, you know, it says something about us, right? So, again, it's a reflection of yourself. Mm -hmm. something else you see that you didn't see before because because you've changed you know yeah. i've changed you know which is uh you know it's great about music and life in general yeah so like when you that. play when you play on stage i feel like um you have a incredible focus and you start from a calm place it doesn't mean that your solos start in a calm way, but you come from a, there's a, I don't know what the right word is, tranquility. I don't know what it is, you know, like a, a quiet place, uh, rested, not stressed. I wonder where this is coming from, or is this just a personality thing or is something that you've worked on? Um, I don't know. It's probably a personality thing. It's probably, if it's something I've worked on, it's more maybe just, um, you know, I think as you get older, maybe just, I'll say for myself, um, getting more comfortable in my own skin over time. Um, I think a lot of that is, a, 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 I mean, it's, I think it's always been there, but it's become, it's become more clear as I've, begun, as I've gotten older or more apparent, I guess, more apparent. Yeah, clear, more, more clear and apparent over time. So the only thing I, I would say about working out is just that 
recognize that and figuring out how to how to do it in any situation, whatever that means. I'm not saying it's something you can literally practice, but maybe something to recognize uh, whether it's uh, musicians that I'm trying to emulate, seeing that nature in them and how they manifest it, um, thinking about how I kind of try to keep an even flow, trying to keep an even flow of, of energy and ideas um, throughout the solo um, and trying to sort of think about stepping into a river that's already flowing mm -hmm. as opposed to my solo now, just yeah. there's a river going and I just step into it kind of thing. That's a nice image. Uh, so I, I don't know, just different ways to think about it to get my self ready so I, it's not um, anyway I just want to be integrated um, in what's going on and be necessary so because you, know, you can play I feel like uh, I try to play in a way that it feels like if I didn't play then I don't know if that's always true but I want to play something that feels like what I'm playing is necessary that it helps the situation mm. Not so much, less so much, uh, less of a, um, uh, you know, saxophone player takes a solo and the rhythm section backs him up. Or, you know, if you're taking a solo, you're the forefront for the moment. But anyway, I'm not, I can't explain it very well, but I think if you enter abruptly or from anxiety or something, uh, it sort of thwarts, it thwarts that whole idea. Mm. It doesn't work out very well. Mm -hmm. So um, something like that. That's the best way I can explain it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of months ago, I played with Ben Street and we were talking about you. Uh -oh. And uh, no, no, it's, it's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Ben Street, it could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, uh, like he, he, I, he talked to me, uh, told me about you listening back to Ed Simon's comping on 26.2 and being totally uh, engaged and mm, amazed, yeah. amazed by the voice leading. Oh, yeah. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Um, um, well, I, I, I'm not sure if I remember that exact moment, but I do remember... Um, that tune and others at that time uh you know being um you know really enjoying uh um ed's comping and his voice leading in particular um so we played a few times but there are other situations and other tunes some of his songs and all and others but uh yeah it's very it's uh it's his voice leading uh is very uh remember it's just very clear and um, very, um, very well thought out. And again, as I always like, lots of rigor. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's not a uh, second thought. And it's, um, how can I put it? You know, it definitely feels like you're, you're uh, entering a river and you have to make, you, you, you have to make, uh, uh, you have to make certain choices so that you don't fall off the canoe something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. and i really like that it's very you know you, you can't play anything yeah uh with that voice i think i mean you can play anything i just think that maybe it doesn't work as well 
mm -hmm. from a, a horn player's point of view playing over that. So mm -hmm. um, if you play the right notes, the chords sound very um, lush and satisfying. If you play the wrong notes, his voice, his voice leading sounds fantastic. And even though you played the right note on the chord, it sounds like the wrong note. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the best way I can explain it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. For a long time, the term voice leading, I couldn't really put meaning into it. Um, mm -hmm. it, it to me, it sounded like I think I was doing it or working on mm -hmm. it, but in a, yeah. from a different perspective. And to me, mm -hmm. it always sounded like uh, like a like an empty word. Like everybody would mm -hmm. throw around. Yeah, you have to work on your yeah. voice leading. Sure. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but how or what? What does mm -hmm. it mean even? Mm -hmm. So I actually want to I want to pose that question to you. Like, what is voice leading to you? Um, well, I'll say there's a few things, but I I would say from the the melodic instrument point of view. Uh, uh, simply said, I would say it means, um, uh, it just means no choice, note to note, which notes are the most um, advantageous to what you're trying to do. Maybe on a simpler level, you might I might say which notes um, sound the uh, the most aesthetically pleasing, and the, which which notes are the most useful in getting uh, melodic and chord sound. Um, so there's, you know, for example, you some, you can play some notes that are correct, but maybe they lack uh, they lack uh, uh, the kind of motion they need. Some notes need to rest. Some notes need to push forward. Some notes need to be a little dull. Some need, notes need to be bright. Um, of course, that's somewhat, I think that's somewhat um, subjective, but I think on some level, there's um, a collective consensus about that. So it's not really objective, but I mean, a collective consensus meaning if you played on, let's say, a certain set of chords, and you picked a certain set of notes, and then same set of chords, another set of notes, and you asked 100 people which ones sound better, it's probably likely that, you know, let's say 80% would say the first set sounds great, we really like them, and then let's say the second set, 20% might say uh, that that set sounds good. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think just based on our, our you know, uh, Western, uh, Euro-American Euro ear, whatever it is, with yeah. all the music's going on, there's certain things that we collectively find pleasing. Does that make sense? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. It's not objective, of course. We made music, so it's not like it's not like the speed of light or gravity. But there is something that we all agree in terms of language. You know, mm -hmm. if you say tree in English, most people who are in the Anglophone work will understand what that means. You know what I'm saying? Blah blah blah. Yeah. So voice leading, I think, has to do with that the the weight of different notes and a, a weight that most of us consider. Uh, pleasing or effective um, given what set of chords are going by. So that's that's how I see it. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I would say is that um, I think that's what voice leading is. So whether you're playing lots of notes or just one or two notes, um, some notes sound stronger than others and they're 
uh, there are some musical reasons that maybe we can explain, maybe we can't, but there's some, there's some kind of mechanism that makes some notes sound better than others. So anyway, that's what I think voice leading is based on a basic level. Mm -hmm. um, there are other things too, like, um, you know, there's some intervals that are more pleasing than others. Some intervals work better than others over certain chords, blah, blah, blah. So, um, and I think it's especially important for single line instruments because if you make a voice leading mistake, you can't correct it with your left hand. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> you have to make, you have, you got one chance. So I think, I think it's important to figure out which notes sound better. Yeah. To you and collectively, you know. So that's my explanation. Mm. How how about if we would go into one song, and you would, you know, could we talk about just friends, for example? That's a really really hard one. <laughs> it's a really, but I'll, I'll say you know, um, yeah. So you know, one thing I I usually say for myself when I start listening is just to play a tune tell myself to take half note solos so basically yeah. you're kind of like a little bit like playing the top of a piano player's voicing but basically play be able to play half notes and whole notes and maybe chord notes no eighth notes yeah. just play two or three courses and which notes are the strongest ones you know so um yeah i might pick that one i might pick another one too that might be good yeah whatever actually maybe um I'm going to do, if you don't mind, staple mains. Yeah. Maybe I'll start that just because there's a lot of movement. I might go back and do the other one too. Um, uh, so, for example, like, um, yeah, let me start with that one. So, for example, just to play one line, just one melody, but you have to play, it has to be in steps. So that's one thing. So, you know, I would say something like, uh, This one is hard. You can either go down or up. Yeah. yeah. That's it. You can't do anything else. So which both of them sound really good. So you can go this one. Um, and then yeah. here I might keep the keep this or go here. Yeah. And then I might you could go here, but I might keep this. And then then you can go up or down. think about I play that note but I think about what's under it so I might play this you know So there's a so there's an underlying uh, voice always, leading every yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. So I always do that. So let's see. And here, I like this one because I might keep it here. If I keep it just dyad. Either one. So I probably keep those. But let's see. I'm just doing one note. Interesting. 
Yep. So I'm yep. not going to do that, even mm -hmm. though it's correct. Yeah. So <laughs> your only choice is you have to go. And I probably keep this. So because I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this probably. Mm -hmm. So obviously I feel really stupid, but I'll just do it anyway. So Please do it. Let's do it. And then here I might keep this because it, it's uplifting. But yeah. could, if you yeah. want movement, you could also go down. So you could go down. That's settling, but this. Mm -hmm. Now maybe so this would be a note where I would feel like it's super consonant, and I'm going to have to uh, break it up afterwards. Something more. I'm going to have to make up for it. Yeah. So you have to think about what I tell. I'm doing it for myself. I think, do I want to play notes that I want to make up for? That's sometimes you want to be a dead note. <laughs> mm -hmm. And sometimes you want to be a note to move forward. But it's interesting that we're talking about the fifths as a, as a dead note in a way, right? Yeah. Well, it's like how I mean, we arrived now here, you know? Yeah. But it's also like, you know, this would be the most dead note. Yeah. But sometimes the fifth is super exciting. I, I mm -hmm. don't know. It depends on where you are, and, you know. Where you came from. Exactly. You know what I'm saying. All the things that you already know. But so, you know, let's say we go here. Let's say we keep this, you know. And then let's keep this. And then maybe we could go up like this. Yeah. I probably would, I don't really want to go down unless I'd have to do that to think about <laughs> it and be hearing that. Yeah. So if I'm just hearing, you know, this, then I'd maybe not be as interested. So, but. I say no, thir no thirteenths. I just would set on that a two because it's not a two. So then I have to go down. So then I have to go. I have to go here or here. Mm -hmm. one. Yep. And then I might keep this. Or go ah, down. yeah. So on and so forth. I'll just do that quickly. Then I'll do maybe I'll do half notes, more half notes, maybe quarter notes, maybe two notes per chord. Um, and then maybe with, and then watch whether there's contrary motion or similar motion, mm. so on and so forth. But I usually do that, just play through a tune, just one note each chord. Beautiful. Then uh, maybe I'll start adding thirds, mm -hmm. um, uh, meaning only thirds. It's the most you can move. Can okay. Move more can than you? A third. Yeah. So maybe I might want to move a third. So let's say I'll just, maybe I start in the same place. and thirds. Thirds is the most I can move. Mm. Um, so I'll do things like that, you know, so on and so forth. Um, gradually add more intervals that I can play. So maybe um, I might add six because they could be some same place. 
I'm gonna go here. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I can keep it. I can play through it again. So, you know, I can add, here I can add six again. Mm. For example, you know, if I see that a six might work, mm -hmm. it's a constant, constant interval, uh, close to a third, so on and so forth. So, where I Beautiful. Might the whole thing and say, okay, I'll just add fifths or only fourths, just to see what these intervals do and what notes. It's just a great restrictions. Mm. So I can find things with restrictions. So I can find all the little nooks and crannies, you know. So anyway, there are other things, but that's a, that's a little taste of what I might do. Yeah. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's cool. It's all stuff you already know. So, well, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, uh, <laughs> It's a topic that we as pianists, of course, always deal with. Yeah. But it's so great to hear, even if it's something that I'm dealing with, I hear this from mm. a different person. And right. you hear, no, you right. know, like, I loved all of these choices that you did, but some of them mm. I was like, wow, okay, yeah, of course, yeah, why not? Okay. You know, I, you know, you mean. I understand, okay. You know? All right, so you don't... I don't feel like too, too rudimentary for you, that's all. No, no, no. <laughs> So, no, yeah. and even like, as I'm growing older, I feel like it can't be rudimentary enough in a way f when it, when mm. we're talking about learning and, and going yeah, different things like. Totally. Absolutely. You know, yeah. uh, I talked to a musician friend of mine who I also interviewed. I don't know if you know him. He's, his name is Chris Wiseman. He's a great uh, singer, Maybe. songwriter and mm -hmm. And he just said, like, in our last conversation, he was like, yeah, I'm pretty amazed by 5-1. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that. Totally. You know? And uh, this really, really resonated with me. It's like, yes, yes, I'm obsessed with 5-1. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I totally, I mean, I'm, I'm totally bought with that. 4-5-1 and all the variations. I mean... It's incredible. It's like the somehow the the I feel like it's connected to the universe or something. Yes. I don't know what it is. It's tension and release in a way, right? Like yes. in, on a meta level, that's something that or it's it's a question and an answer or something. Yeah, it's question and answer, and then another question, and mm. the the proportions of those intervals. I don't know what it is, but there's something about them that. It has to do with nature and i mean yeah anyway, i think it's incredible so i'm yeah you don't you don't have to sell me on that <laughs> <laughs> here's something that also was on my mind lately that um nelson veras showed to me mm -hmm. we were talking about the cycle of fifths mm -hmm. and he said okay we're, we're gonna play c7 mm -hmm. And then you keep playing the correct cycle of fifths notes in the left hand. So C, mm. F, B flat, E flat. And then, but you go up a whole step with the dominant chord in the right hand. Mm -hmm. And mm. it works because what? after C7, you have D7. Mm -hmm. And D7 is related to F7 through mm. the relationship of minor thirds. Right. Mm -hmm. 
So after D7 with F in the bass, mm -hmm. you go to B flat seven, and you play E7, mm. which E natural and B flat seven is related, you know? Yeah. Mm. So you can, you can go all the way. If you want to try it on the piano, it sounds incredible. Like it sounds... So one more time. Oh, right. Tell me what... So that's so... C7 in the right hand. Nelson showed this to me. Okay, so up here, right here, like up here like that, or... Sounds a little bit, yeah, that, that's a good range there. Uh, and then C in the bass. Down low. Yeah, and then you play F, and both, both is fine. And then you play F, and you go up a whole step in the right hand. So you play D7. And then you play E7. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, just keep going. Keep going, up, you know, like this. And then keep going, yeah. Like that. Yes. Okay. Well, that's good. I love it. Oh, now you're here. Now you're back to the room. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just doing, I'm just going up in whole steps. Is that what you mean? You go up. Way? You go up in whole steps in the right hand and do the normal thing in the left hand, and it oh. always makes sense. Well, yeah, and, that's, that's and it does sound a little better if you play the chords in a lower register, like one, even one register lower. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get those uh, sounds. Or oh, if you it, if right. you break it up, you if you play like one five three seven and then right. one, you know those things. Sure. Yeah. Uh, all of those things that you normally do then with yeah. this progression. Mm, yeah. And oh, that's it, killer. You know, and that's on my mind lately. I, I'm thinking about yeah. this. Wow, that's super nice. But also, like, one thing is a very easy thing, and this is a very easy thing, and you put them together, mm. and it sounds, like, super complex. Yeah, it does. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> that's awesome. Dominance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, there's so much within that, I agree. That's Sounds great. Yeah, thanks. What are you working on now? Like, what's the next? Uh, what are the what are uh, not maybe project, uh, but like, what's the song that you're working on now? I'm I'm I just took two weeks off from playing and listening, like you did. Ah, okay. <laughs> so I haven't played my horn or piano just until I haven't played piano until now. Nothing. Oh <laughs> so, wow, that's a special yeah. moment. Wow. Oh yeah, zero. <laughs> So I'm just working on this. I'm finishing the last tune on another record that I'm doing. So mm -hmm. it's uh, so I'm just doing that. It's a uh, Braxton inspired. Uh, it's based on that this uh, scale. That one, the mm -hmm. Messiaen scale. So um, there are various themes and things. Blah blah blah. Um, they're in it. Uh, so that's the last thing I'm finishing, and then, um, um, yeah, I'm working on that, and I'm just, you know, I'm working on more new language for me. I'm just trying to figure it out. Um, some of it from the Messian scale, some of it from um, that um, 
that Yusef Latif book. I'm still having to figure out what to do with it, but it's got all these interesting things in it that I want to figure out how to use. Um, and a little bit of um, uh, a little bit of um, um, uh, how can I put it? Just uh, uh, twelve tone playing. Mm. I'm not so familiar with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, a little bit, but some more of a system. So you probably heard of uh, John O'Gallagher, mm -hmm. um, alto player. So he's got this thing that um, a way of organizing it that's I find interesting. So I'm just dabbling my feet into it, just using whatever I can use to get into it slowly, which is very helpful. Um, and then I'm just I'm going to start writing. Or I'm going back to read another. This I'm a sci-fi fan. Mm -hmm. more or less so there's this i'm writing in a suite on this uh based on either either several books or probably one book of octavia butler's that i'm going to reread mm -hmm. it'll probably be 10 songs um maybe more but probably 10 based on i don't know peers in the book or based on her um so i'm just kind of start mapping out what that's going to be cool um, and doing readings from the book throughout the, the uh, suite of music. I think so, I have a bootleg from you from the Village Vanguard where you do something oh, similar. Yeah. yeah, that's a different one. But so I did okay. that one. It, I we did. Re, I finally recorded it, and it'll probably come out probably sometime next year. And so this, I'm working on another one. Ah, okay, it sounded very very nice. Thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah. So, so those are immediate things, among others, you know, learning tunes, all the things that we do, but those are some things I'm trying to figure out. And just going through a bunch of stuff in my workbooks that I wrote down that I haven't gone through yet. Mm. So just a bunch of different types of things. Those, the 12-tone subject, um, I was, I haven't learned in this world yet, um, the, your song. But I was wondering, is there a moment in the composition where there is like a 12-tone row actually intact somewhere? I don't think so. Okay. If it is, it's by accident. I see. Probably just, yeah. It's the only thing, in the beginning, there's, um, you know, a lot of the tune is based on, as you probably noticed, based on um, uh, chords and intervals that are, are major thirds or major thirds and sometimes tritones. There also, there's a bunch of symmetry in it. Mm. So some points there are melodies that play up almost maybe all 12, especially in the very beginning, it's mm -hmm. a pattern. So if it is, it's by accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish I could complain. I could claim it, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have another question, a very specific question. The first chord on deserted floor, how do you name it? Um, what what is it for you? I oh, I have to think about it now again. Oh, the I very have, first chord is I have this first, here. Oh, Can what do you, you have? Ah. Oh yeah, the first chord is a. Uh, I have to think about it. I'm, I'm in the wrong key. My voicing um, is a, a it's C a major. major. Sharp five chord. It's a major sharp five chord, if I remember. Oh okay. What do you have there? Mm. Your what's the bass note again? Yep. The bass note is a G sharp. Yeah. So and then there's um, a C sharp and then the C major triad. Yeah, so um, 
gonna have a C sharp also. You play an F, you also played an F, right? Yeah, I'm just playing based on, I'm not even, it's, yeah, it should be here. Yeah, because Kurt is also yeah. playing a C sharp, like above the G sharp, he's playing a C yeah, sharp. You shouldn't be. <laughs> you, should be. <laughs> you mean like, you mean like that, or G sharp? No, I play G sharp, yeah. C sharp. During this chord, yeah, but be <laughs> sorry. Hold down. Uh, so, so the the bass note is G sharp. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you get a you get a perfect fourth, fourth. and then yeah. you play the C, and then you play the, you C, play the C triad. Yeah, it should be it should be this. If I yeah. Like okay. Yeah. That's what it should be. I see, okay. I see, okay. Cool. Yeah. Such a great song, man. Thanks. Anyway, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Mark, I can keep going, but I don't want you to, you know, you're... Yeah, it's, it's okay. I, I actually do need to go soon. So, But uh, it's been awesome. I really appreciate it. And um, thanks for listening to my uh, my dumb answers. <laughs> I love to so. listen to you play the piano also. It sounds great. Oh, well, you're very kind, very kind. <laughs> Uh, getting getting reacquainted with the instrument is a very nice feeling, right? I mean, it's a it's a. Oh yeah, it feels great. <laughs> just you know, it's just nice. I'm I'm ready for when I get back home to see what the tenor is going to feel like. Yeah, <laughs> my teacher <laughs> uh, he used to talk about the um, this phenomenon of or the the, the image. Uh, how do you call the 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 glass bowl with uh, snowflakes in it and a, like a little picture and you go like this and oh, it yeah. snows. How do you call it? Yeah. I forgot how we call those things. Okay. Um, so I, what I we do all mean. the time is this, you know, shake the yeah. thing and it snows yeah. all the time and then mm -hmm. you put it down and then everything magically settles. settles. And then, mm -hmm. of course, the chops are gone in a way, but yes, certain other course. questions... Yeah. Which you might not know you've had. Yeah, totally. Solve <laughs> themselves. Yeah, it's it's nice. Yeah, it's like you have time to uh your body and mind has time to reflect and have these things settle into your body and consciousness. I think. At least yeah. for me. You know. I I hear you if you're always shaking it up, it never sometimes it doesn't go in. Yeah. <laughs> At least for me, you know. No, same here. Same here. It's good to take a pause. I, I yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be more careful with that <laughs> this year. I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, Meaning thank like you, Mark. To, yeah, thank you. Um, I appreciate you, Pablo. It's super nice to to talk to you and hear you play. Um, mm, 
Thank you. Little bits I hear on the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, sounds fantastic. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, I hope we get a chance to play at some point. Yeah. Or meet um, again in person. Me too. Um, yeah. I would love to play know, again. Yeah. In a different situation than the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a jam session, you know, that's always yeah. a strong point. But anyway, yeah, so that would be great. Fantastic. Thanks, man. Thanks for doing Thanks, this with me.